Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be set so we're in 1 Samuel 25. And I'm going to call this one today that protection brings tribute. Protection brings tribute. Now in 1 Samuel 25 and 1. It says, Then Samuel died, and the Israelites gathered together and lamented for him, and buried him at his home in Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. Okay, so after a nice long life of good godly service, Uh, Samuel left a good reputation that left him as one of the greatest men in Scripture. And this is now the time of the end of the judges. This is the last judge of Israel. And now it's going to be time for the kings to start coming in through David. But now David's move here to Paran had nothing to do with Samuel's death. It kind of looks like it, since they're both mentioned in the same verse that Samuel died and then David moved to Paran. But what David did, what he needed was he needed to find provisions for his men. They were hungry and they needed supplies. David knows the wilderness. He understands how things work out there. So that's why he decided Paran's a good place to go to. 1 Samuel 25 and 2. Now there was a man in Maon whose business was in Carmel, and the man was very rich. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. The name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail, and she was a woman of good understanding and beautiful appearance, but the man was harsh and evil in his doings. He was of the house of Caleb. Okay, so right away, when you've got a guy that's got needs, and you have a rich man enter the picture, what that means is the rich man is very well capable of helping people in need. It was in the law that says whenever a brother of yours needs help, you're supposed to extend your hand to him. That's exactly why David got to eat the showbread in the temple from the priest. The priest gave him that showbread because David was in need. He understood the law. Well, we're going to find out that Nabal is a man who does not care about God's law. And the Bible tells us exactly how he got all his riches. It says he was harsh and he was evil. Another thing about Nabal is that his name means senseless fool. He's a foolish man. He's very senseless fool. 1 Samuel 25 and 4. When David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep, David sent 10 young men. And David said to the young men, go up to Carmel, go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus you shall say to him who lives in prosperity, peace be to you, peace to your house and peace to all that you have. Now I have heard that you have shearers Your shepherds were with us, and we did not hurt them, nor was there anything missing from them all the while they were in Carmel. Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let my young men find favor in your eyes, for we come on a feast day. 
please give whatever comes to your hand to your servants and to your son, David. Okay, what was the validity in David asking this? Why is he asking for whatever comes to your hand? Well, because David helped him. David helped Nabal's shepherds. Nabal's prophets that are coming in is an effect of David helping his shepherds keep those sheep. Uh, So another thing we need to understand about sheep shearing time, it was always a time of celebration because it produced wool. And when you have wool, you can now trade wool for vegetables and uh, you're going to make new clothing, obviously, or someone else's services. Really, the big sheep shearing time kicked off a lot of economy. So that's why everybody celebrated, because I'm going to get some new clothes. I'm going to eat good tonight. We have the sheep shearing time kicking up the economy. If you remember how Boaz was when he he was a very wealthy man and there were people working his fields, they were taking care of his crops, and he went around blessing everybody and he was throwing feasts for them. You could see how celebratory it was. And so this was a customary time in Israel that people would get together, everybody would jump in and help out, and everybody got part of the profit because the the rich people were so rich, they could afford to help anybody that pitched in. They were part of the profit, and that's why David had the right to ask. It's not like he's just saying, hey, give me something. It was understood in those days that that's how it worked. So David knows the custom, and Nabal did too. He lived in that day, right? So he understood. But remember, he's a harsh and wicked man. If you think about how Nabal's profits would have been higher because David protected his shepherds from all the war, uh, the warmongers and maybe even beasts that were in the field that would attack. And so this enabled a great time of prosperity. So David sent men to extend honor to Nabal. Don't just barge in and say, hey, where's our cut? He come in and extended honor to him. And this would give part of the prophets to David and his men for the help they gave because they need provisions here. So First Samuel 25 and 9. So when David's young men came, They spoke to Nabal according to all these words in the name of David and waited. Then Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David and who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants nowadays who break away, each one from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my meat that I have killed for my shearers and give it to men when I do not know where they are from? Okay, from Nabal's response, we can see that it's obvious that he knew who David was. I mean, he knows him because he said, who is David, the son of Jesse? David is very famous during this time. Now, let me back it up somewhere else. When you think back to uh, the Philistines in chapter 21, and they all said, isn't that David, the, the king of the land? They knew him. David is so famous, everybody knows him, including Nabal. But when Nabal said, who are they? Who are you? Who are you? He was saying they meant nothing to him. And so he insulted David's men by assuming they were like bandits. Or who are you? Who do you think you are is what we would say. You're, you're probably a, a rogue bandit. You probably quit your job and you're just out here because you need money because you couldn't keep a job nailed down. You're probably lazy. You're unloyal, basically, is what Nabal was saying. You're not loyal. And so he was saying there's a lot of people nowadays that leave their masters from a lack of loyalty. So that's probably who you are. What Nabal just did, he insulted them, and he also judged them wrongly by assuming that they were these break-off rogue guys. Go back where you came from. Who are you? I don't know who you are. Get out of here. 
but he knows who David is, son of Jesse. Nabal blatantly defied the king of Israel, David, with insult and tried to justify himself for it at the same time. Not going to fly. 1 Samuel 25 and 12. So David's young men turned on their heels and went back, and they came and told him all these words. Then David said to his men, every man gird on his sword. So every man girded on his sword, and David also girded on his sword. And about 400 men went with David, and 200 stayed with the supplies. Now, one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal's wife, saying, look, David sent messengers from the wilderness to greet our master, and he reviled them. But the men were very good to us, and we were not hurt, nor did we miss anything as long as we accompanied them when we were in the fields. They were a wall to us both by night and day, all the time we were with them keeping the sheep. Now therefore know and consider what you will do, for harm is determined against our master and against all his household, for he is such a scoundrel that one cannot speak to him. You ever know somebody that was such a Oh my gosh, how do I put it? Oh, such a hard-boiled jerk that nobody wanted to talk to him anymore. Here you have Nabal's own men. This is the way they think of him. He was, a, he was harsh. He was wicked. And even his own guys don't like him. But here we also get a little bit more information about how exactly did David and his men help Nabal's shepherds. It says they were a wall for them. Basically, they defended them from hostility from all the possibility of the Philistines coming in and maybe warring against them, maybe wild animals, they had been protecting the shepherds so that they could do their work. And so he said, we did not miss anything as long as we were with them. In other words, the guys trying to tell Abigail, our profits are so high right now during sheep shearing time. It was because of David and his men. And Nabal just insulted them. David's the guy that protected us and made this prophet happen. Nabal's about to line his pockets with money because of what David did. So thankfully, this guy told Abigail that. 1 Samuel 25 and 18. Then Abigail made haste and took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five sheep already dressed, five seahs of roasted grain, 100 clusters of raisins, and 200 cakes of figs, and loaded them on donkeys. And she said to her servants, Go on before me, I am coming after you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. Now, friends, this is not a biblical passage that says, I don't have to listen to my husband. A lot of people try to misuse the passages to say, I don't want to obey him, and look, Abigail did it, so I'm going to do it too. That That's not what's the context here. Abigail is trying to honor her husband. She's trying to save him. She's not disrespecting him. Don't misread the, the scriptures. Even though he's a scoundrel, even though his name means fool, and you see how Abigail got all this material together, uh, she's apparently had to do this before, <laughs> so this is nothing new to her, but she is still trying to honor her husband. She wants to see her husband saved. She's trying to fight for him because he ain't listening. This is not a I don't listen to my husband passage. This is a honor your husband passage. She is also doing something that's called conflict resolution. A conflict's about to happen, and so she's being proactive to find a fix for it before it has a chance to blow up on everybody, because if it does, it's going to affect her, it's going to affect the servants, it's going to affect her husband. Everybody's going to be hurt from this. So Abigail is being proactive in conflict resolution. She wants to save a big mess. 
So we need to keep the understanding that whenever someone protected another's livestock from the attacks of warring border tribes or from wild animals, then the protection that they gave would generate some kind of tribute. Protection generates tribute. This tribute would be in the form of supplies, food, other necessaries, maybe water, clothing, whatever they needed. This tribute was given with a goodwill attitude. That was what Abigail jumped on. Nabal didn't do it, so she jumped in to do it quickly because she knows who David is. This is the guy that chopped Goliath's head off. You don't want to mess with this guy. Nabal, he was being his usual harsh, senseless, foolish self instead of acting with gratitude, and so he had no goodwill. He had no gratitude at all for what David and his men had done for him, even though he should have understood that he was getting the profits off of their work. Remember, Nabal said, why should I give my bread, my water, and my meat that I killed? Why should I give all that to them? Nabal thinks everything's his. He wants mine, 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 mine. That's what everybody says these days. Everything is mine. (laughs) Nabal's refusal to give any kind of tribute of gratitude had for the protection that he had been given, had now become regarded by David as a violation, a cultural violation of insult. He insulted him. 1 Samuel 25 and 20. So it was as she rode on the donkey that she went down under cover of the hill, and there was David and his men coming down toward her, and she met them. Now David had said, surely in vain, I have protected all that this fellow has in the wilderness so that nothing was missed of all that belongs to him, and he has repaid me evil for good. May God do so, and more also, to the enemies of David, if I leave one male of all who belong to him by morning light. He's mad because he got insulted for the honor that he gave. And so now we are starting to see David's wisdom here. Why he made the move in verse 1, this is why he moved, because he knew there's sheep out there. We're going to find some provision that way. 1 Samuel 25 and 23. Now when Abigail saw David, she dismounted quickly from the donkey, fell on her face before David, and bowed down to the ground. So she fell at his feet and said, On me, my lord, on me let this iniquity be. And please let your maidservant speak in your ears and hear the words of your maidservant. Please, let not my Lord regard this scoundrel Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, your maidservant, did not see the young men of my Lord whom you sent. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord lives, and as your soul lives, since the Lord has held you back from coming to bloodshed, and from avenging yourself with your own hand, now then, Let your enemies and those who seek harm for my Lord be as Nabal. Okay, I want us to all understand that dismounting in the presence of a superior was a way of showing honor. Abigail is immediately, just by jumping off, is showing honor, not to mention the fact that she bowed to the ground as quickly as she could. She's trying to show honor to him because all the the work that David had done It generated a desire in her to honor him. And so she wanted to give the best she could, not only with her attitude, but also in her speech and in her actions. She put herself low and said, on me, let this iniquity be. And so now this next segment that we're about to read, those of you who are following me 
in your Bible. I want you to understand something that's going to happen. You need to be very attentive to capital letters because we're going to see capital letter L and lowercase l. And when it says capital L, Abigail is referring to the Lord God. It's always uh, capitals always refer to deity, to God, uh, Jesus, the Lord, Holy Spirit's capital all the time. But when you see a lowercase l, that means she's talking to a Lord, meaning a Lord such as Nabal, who is her Lord, because he is lording over the land and, and the servants. Or she's referring to David as Lord, because David is a Lord over the land himself. It's not to be misunderstood with Lord as in Lord Jesus. The reason we call Jesus Lord is because when you give him your life, you recognize that everything you have is not yours. No more of this my meat, my bread, nothing. It's all his. You surrender your entire life, including everything you've got, under his authority. It all belongs to him. It's not yours. That's what a Lord is. A Lord owns everything. He only lets you be a steward of some of his things so that you can do his work. And that's what the Lord is. The Lord is one who owns. And so when you call Jesus Lord, that means you're saying, Jesus, you own everything. Nothing's mine. I use it all for you. But when you say a Lord, as in a lowercase l, she's not referring to deity. She's not talking about God. She's talking about David or Nabal. So I just wanted you to understand the differences in the capitalizations so that you don't get lost on who she's talking to here. Okay, first Samuel 25 and 27. And now this present which your maidservant has brought to my Lord, let it be given to the young men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your maidservant, for the Lord will certainly make for my Lord an enduring house, because my Lord fights the battles of the Lord, and evil is not found in you throughout your days. Yet a man has risen to pursue you and seek your life, but the life of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of the living with the Lord your God, and the lives of your enemies he shall sling out as from the pocket of a sling. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord has done for my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you, and has appointed you ruler over Israel, that this will be no grief to you, nor offense of heart to my Lord, either that you have shed blood without cause, or that my Lord has avenged himself. But when the Lord has dealt well with my Lord, then remember your maidservant. Abigail is calling David her Lord. She's recognizing that he has authority, so she's calling him Lord. And she also said, you know, sling from a stone. She knows what he did to Goliath. But she was hearing from God. I believe Abigail was clearly hearing from the capital L, Lord. Because she said in verse 28, the Lord will certainly make for you an enduring house. Messiah Jesus is going to come from David's line. So she sees somewhat prophetically that there's an enduring house in David's line. She's got her gospel goggles on. I showed my church, you got to read the Bible with your gospel goggles on, or you're not going to see these great things like this. And so while she pleads for her husband's mercy, she says that Nabal is just like his name. He acts just like what we call him. He's a fool. We should recognize that Abigail had put her life on the line to even approach David, because David was furious. He was mad. He was coming for war. Basically, what Abigail did, she saw a man who was coming looking for vengeance on someone who insulted him, and so she put herself in the middle between the vengeance and the foolishness to intercede on 
the behalf of a foolish person. And so what Abigail did was she interceded for Nabal. She got in the middle of the problem and him to spare his life. She also did it to present an offering for Nabal's iniquity. Put it on me, she said. Put it on me. Let me, let me take his iniquity. Oh, this is good. 1 Samuel 25 and 32. Then David said to Nabigail, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel who sent you this day to meet me, and blessed is your advice, and blessed are you, because you have kept me this day from coming to bloodshed and from avenging myself with my own hand. For indeed, as the Lord God of Israel lives, who has kept me back from hurting you, unless you had hurried and come to meet me, surely by morning light, no males would have been left to Nabal. So David received from her hand what she had brought him and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have heeded your voice and respected your person. Okay, Abigail's intercession between David and Nabal, it worked. It worked. David received her sacrifice. He received what she had to give, and it satisfied his wrath. Very important to keep this in mind. David knew that he had been held back. That's one thing. He says, I've been held back. (laughs) I have been holding back. Let me tell you, I've been holding it. But thank you for coming. Because now that I've been held back, it has now saved everyone from being destroyed. 1 Samuel 25 and 36. Now Abigail went to Nabal, and there he was, holding a feast in his house, like the feast of a king. And Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was drunk. Therefore she told him nothing, little or much, until morning light. So it was in the morning when the wine had gone from Nabal and his wife had told him these things that his heart died within him and he became like a stone. Then it happened after about 10 days that the Lord struck Nabal and he died. Okay, I want to make sure everybody sees this bit of scripture right here. It says that God killed Nabal. I hope you see this because it literally says the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Most people do not believe that God does this sort of thing. The Lord executes judgment against the unrepentant, the hard-boiled unrepentant. I'm not going to turn. Everything is mine. I don't need to help nobody. I don't care if I benefit off them. It belongs to me. God hates that. God hates that, and he killed him. God doesn't hate God. Yes, he does. God does hate. God hates wickedness. God loves things that are righteous. As a Christian, we have to hate what God hates and love what God loves. He does. It is a righteous hate, though. It's not like man's hate. It is a godly hate, but he does hate that, and he killed him. God killed Nabal. just want to make sure you see that. So whenever Nabal found out how narrow of an escape he had just made, it's morning light. She didn't tell him anything. David said, by morning light, I'm going to kill all of them. I'm going to take them all out. Nabal realized, I should be dead by now. And it shocked him so bad that apparently he had some kind of a heart attack and, and he was paralyzed, whatever. Now, before any of you pass wrongful judgment on God, I want you to see something here. How much time did God give him? How many days that the Lord gave Nabal, Nabal to repent? He gave him 10 whole days to repent of his sin and make up for what he had done. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.